Welcome to episode number 13 of Dev Health. Cheer! a drink in response to that cheer. So we're doing this one live from Chicago uh, at PHP Tech 2012. Yep. <laughs> and we blew everything, uh, we blew our load on the first little bit because uh, we weren't recording this. Somebody forgot to press you have the to record hit it button. Twice. I didn't remember that. Well, maybe it's a strange European mic I since we got it from, it uh, from Michelangelo. Yeah, that's right. So we'll blame it on the European guy. It's a European mic. So, um, so our initial topic for this is going to be one to talk quickly about um, pair programming and then open the open up to questions from people. But again, I did this before. Before we go any further, thank you very much to Liz Naramore from Engine Yard. Give it up for Engine Yard. Yeah. We've taken your money and we spent it on completely dumb things like uh, booze for my friends while I've been here. So mm -hmm. thank, thank you, Liz. We we highly approve. Yeah. How many approve? That means you haven't even listened to any of the horrible things that we've said about Engine Yard in the podcast. <laughs> she acknowledges that she, <laughs> she hasn't paid attention to it. She acknowledges that she doesn't listen. That's okay. So we're going to talk real quickly about pair programming. Now, before we started recording, Ed was mentioning he thought that uh, for remote people, pair programming was a lot tougher to do. Otherwise, because it's easier in um, uh, what do you call that environment anymore where everybody's there? In person. In person. That's the correct word. Uh, in-person environment to just have two people sitting together um, in front of a, a computer to do the pair programming. So right. I'll talk a briefly about how we do it at Kaplan. And this is, I'm sorry I have to rehash because we didn't record it the first time. God. Uh, so at Kaplan, we uh, decided to do pair programming because it was the easiest way to get the new hires because we greatly expanded the team uh, up to speed with the code base. So typically we would combine an experienced programmer with a not so experienced programmer. And it's not really about skill levels, it's just that somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing with somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. And so the tools that we would use for this is we make heavy use of, uh, for the hardcore gamers here, TeamSpeak to talk to people, uh, to do audio and text. And then we would use JoinMe. Uh, whoever was doing the driving on the pair programming side of things would uh, start up a JoinMe link. We used another one for, uh, we have some contractors who do uh, awesome, awesome work for us. And they use Linux. So they were using, what's it called, Leap? No, some frog themed. I don't fucking care because I don't use it. But, <laughs> right. um, uh, they would use that because uh, JoinMe wouldn't work properly on Linux boxes for them to host whatever, bro. Um, yeah. So basically, we do like a traditional pair thing. One person is driving, the other person is, is watching what's going on, and they're supposed to be watching and not as the tendency of some employees, not me, of course, to ride coattails of the people who are doing the driving. And the some person who watches, their job is to point out the stupid shit that you're doing and to do research. So, for example, if I'm... Um, since I actually do TDD, I know everyone's shocked. Um, what? Yes, I know. Uh, that when I'd be writing a test and I would want to do a test, I'd be like, do we have a test for this particular component already? So the person who's watching uh, me work away would go and uh, do some research, and then they would uh, be amazed at my Vim skills as I sliced and diced text and uh, move things around. Um, and so their job is to pay attention and pick up all the things uh, that the person who's driving miss, and then we would just alternate back and forth. Every feature, every test, would just switch back and forth. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Sorry. <laughs> All right, I'm done. And so that is, in a nutshell, how we do pair programming at um, Kaplan. Just the idea is that to share things and encourage people uh, to work together to solve problems because it's it's clearly easier than you're such an asshole throwing uh, <laughs> and throwing people uh, to the to the wolves and just getting them to start off like here just dumping here's a task for you to do just get in there and work on it right and instead of having to constantly bother somebody who knows the code base you're working uh, very closely with them I'll have you know I was adding more backups so now we have three things that are all recorded. But you're going to edit out the horrible no you're not going to edit it's them. just going to start at the beginning just be like pair programming. Ah, sorry. <laughs> Up to speed. Anyway, so, like, what are the so what are the advantages that you see like doing that pair programming, like productivity advantages, but that kind of stuff? What do you get out of it? Um, you get out of it because you always have another eye, mm -hmm. a set of eyes looking at what you're doing, mm -hmm. and you'll often because everybody has their own approach on how they're going to solve particular problems. Right. So the other person is there to remind you that if we have a standard uh, for coding, you've named your variable wrong. Uh, you know. Perhaps we could, should not be doing uh, for each inside an if inside of for each, um, and just basically trying to make sure that we're you know we're staying on target and we're hitting all our deadlines and just 
expanding. It, it's everybody's skill gets to expand because as you pair, you get to actually watch the other people doing their work, and you kind of get a feel for um, how they build things. And I'm always amazed that when it's my turn just to uh, to watch and not do any coding mm -hmm. um, about people's productivity and their editors, and it kind of gives you a, a, an idea of, of how you would actually get things done using tools other than the ones that you yourself chose. When you've been doing pair programming like that, is there has there been like something where you're like, oh wow, I didn't even think of doing that before? Oh, all the time. Really? Like we try to, like with me, because I like to do the test stuff first. So mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time discussing how we're going to implement a particular feature. Because usually when we do our stories for our, our sprints, we've defined ahead of time a right. bunch of scenarios under which we can prove that this thing is working. So that helps us guide us to do the test. Mm -hmm. And we set up the test, and then we start talking about, okay, if we want to test this. What are we missing from this scenario? What pieces do we have in place to make this work already? And then we just write all our tests, and they all fail, and then we just keep writing code until the tests all pass, and then we inevitably end up redoing some of the code, mm -hmm. redoing some of the tests until it's all good, and I say it's uh, it's 3.30, we're done at five, but I'm done now, so I'll see you later. Right, yeah, you so, put your time in. I put my, my solid two and a half hours of Right, yeah. yeah. So we're not doing that. And I so I kind of gathered that. Yeah. <laughs> but do you ever? But you guys must collaborate on things. Two people working together on something, right? Yeah. So you get that, but not like not simultaneously. I guess you'd say, right? So we'll look at the same code sometimes, but we won't like. And you know, we might even get on Skype and like talk about it. But typically, not too much of like. Well, okay. We're all look, we're looking at the same screen. Like we don't do a whole lot of that. Why? Um, I guess we just hadn't really thought about it, and I think we we're not sure. We wouldn't be sure exactly where to start with it. I think all of us have been mostly just code on our own kind of thing. So uh, we just haven't ever that hasn't come up. Um, maybe it should, right? You know, does anybody here do that? Yeah, who does here does pair program? Pair program? Just yeah. one lonely soul. Does it suck? Yeah. Does no, I you know I, I, it's there's something about being uncomfortable doing it that's. Like makes you stay sharp, right? You know, I mean, like it's awkward. Like you have somebody sitting on your shoulder, but it, it makes you focus on what you're doing. Like the only t I've heard sometimes I've heard of situations where it like really didn't work out, and I think part of it had to do with like, like it was just personality wise, like it just wasn't good. Like it wasn't a good match, or the guy wasn't good at sharing or whatever you know um so i, I but i i my experience is so limited so yeah well impressive. i haven't had anybody tell me to my face yet that they didn't like pairing with me so right not your face <laughs> right yeah i'm taking a drink now so all right what else should we talk about what's on your mind do you have you paired in person as well as remote? yes like what's um it? i've done both uh at um at Kaplan when I had to spend five wonderful weeks uh, in La Crosse, Wisconsin at the head offices in a soul-sucking cubicle. Um, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Where's Lonnie? Good job, dude. Right there. Yeah, that's your fault. Um, I tried to get less than that. But uh, yeah, when we were in person, we would do the pairing stuff in person as well. Because, um, you know, crammed into cubicles, it was sometimes kind of an awkward fit to, to get the chairs next to each other. But, um, but yeah, and we just found, because because the team has made the commitment to distributed workers, that even in the, um, the team itself, the ones who are in lacrosse in the main office, they use all the same tools to communicate. They're still using TeamSpeak and talking to each other, even though one's in his corner cubicle there and the other's like six to eight feet away over there. They're still using the same tool because um, we wanted to make it as easy as possible that if someone else needs to jump in to discuss something with them, that they don't have to waste time with the uh, with the setup for it. Like as part of the thing too, we do t uh, we do test reviews. So when the developers have done their code and they've done their tests, and then myself or the other uh, testing engineer that we have, we go over the test to make sure that they've done things the way that we want, and that we discuss what they were trying to accomplish with the test to make sure that we've done it um, exactly the way. The most common things we find are um, duplicate tests that could really be turned into one generic test with a data provider and also um, using full mocks when they only need to use a partial mock. Just trying to get them, not only do we want to write the bare minimum amount of code to implement a feature, we also want to write the bare minimum amount of test code as well. But in person or doing it remotely, it's... What the fuck are they doing? I don't know, some kind of ghost keeps coming in now. Um, they, uh, it's really been no different. 
it's just it's and like Ed said too about another eye watching. When you're pairing with somebody, you can't fuck around. When it's your turn to work, you have to you have to work because then the other person. I mean, I know I'll sell someone out like that if they're fucking around. So, um, right. Yep. So, so they're all intimidated when it's my turn. Mm -hmm. um, so, but you can't hide, and it's very obvious whether you are working or not when you're doing the pairing stuff. And then we take the pairing stuff a little bit further. That at the end of our sprints, when it's time to uh, demo all the features that we've done to the various stakeholders, then the pairs who've worked on the things then decide who's going to do the demo. So I've done demos of features we've done. I've done demos of we've been working on uh, automated user acceptance tests. So I did a demo on how all that stuff works. So again, it's like providing some accountability also so that it's not just the same people doing, uh, working on the same parts of the code and, and it's not the same people who aren't afraid to do presentations. For people, so. do, do you pair all the time? Or all the time. Yeah. All Pretty much throughout the entire sprint. Like you'll pick your initial pair and then you work on your story and then we do, um, we do 10 business day sprints. So when you're done a story and it's passed and it's gone through QA and all the testing, then we encourage the pairs to split up and then uh, pair up with somebody else so it's not the same two people. Because I'm pretty sure if I was paired with one person for the entire sprint, they would probably want to kill me by the end of it. Do, is there like a guy that nobody wants to pair with? Yeah, uh, yeah but it's not me. Because I've been smart and I've been doing mostly test and infrastructure work and I don't do a lot of uh, actual work on the code base. Uh -huh. Although my worry is that the more infrastructure work that I do, the less knowledge that I have of the code base. So maybe it's actually a pretty good strategy that I can use that as an excuse. I can't possibly work on that ticket. I don't know enough of, of the code base because I've been busy building all your tests for you. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> good thing they hired you. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so, okay, what else? Another question? Have you run into any uh, problems with uh, differences in skill levels when you're preparing? So you asked about problems, like, differences in skill levels. Yeah, so I'm repeating it for the, this. The experience with the code base is good when one's new and one's kind of not new. But right. What happens when one programmer is just a lot more weak than the other? Then you get fucked is usually what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean... Okay, you don't always have control over the pair because you want to be fair and not just always pair with the same few people. And yeah, there has been times, like I had to do one of my early tickets that I had stories I was working on. I was paired with another guy who was, had just worked there for a couple of months more and neither of us really understood the code base, so it was difficult. Um, and in terms of skill level, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. You have, an, you have an existing app that you're working on, so it's not like you can go too far off base. It's not like you have to create something from scratch. I mean, at this point with our application, we're basically adding functionality to an existing application that is pretty pretty rock solid. So there's not really a lot of opportunities to... What the fuck was that? It's rock solid, dog. Solid, dog. Um, not a lot of opportunities to, to have to create things from whole cloth. And I found that those are the scenarios where the differences in skill level um, really come to the, to the forefront. Like when you have an existing app and there's a whole bunch of tests that you can go back and say, okay, for this particular controller or this domain object that you can see um, how it's being used through all the tests that we have, it makes it a lot easier for people to understand. Like I, I, did, I implemented a whole feature without ever actually loading the application itself in my browser. I did it all um, through the test. And my boss was amazed that I was able to make it work. I'm like, I'm not loading that app unless I absolutely have to. We have tests that show me how everything is supposed to work and I just write code until all the until all the tests pass. It only works on iCab. <laughs> <sighs> right, next, another question? Yes, question. Well, this is going to be really short. Did your programming come from management or is it a team decision? Management. My boss, the development manager, Figure that was the easiest way for everyone to understand the code base the quickest. But is it? Do you have a lot of? I'm curious. Do you have team buy-in on that kind of thing, or is that something? A lot of them didn't like it. Yeah. And I was like, well, Suck it. sucks to be you. That's right. Yeah, right. Suck it and get to it. Right. Yeah. Do they like it now? Uh, yes. Even the most hardened uh, opponents have. Uh, well, that sounded really. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that valid. Yes. The ones who least wanted to do. Is that right, um, The ones who least wanted to do it have, have realized that the whole point of it was to increase everybody's knowledge. Right. And it's, I think it's done the job. 
because especially because what happened, we initially had the core team and some teams of contractors, and the problem was the contractors were all always working on one particular part of the code, and the core team was always working on another particular part of the code. So two sprints ago, we said, okay, there's no more separation. That way, we're just gonna we're gonna have the contractors, um, you know, pair up with uh, the core team, so that way everybody learns part of the part of the application because you know. When you're dealing with contractors, if they piss you off enough, you fucking fire them and you get another set of contractors. But if it was the contractors were the only ones ever working on that portion of that application, you'll be tempted to keep them around and make excuses um, for them if they don't happen to be a good team. But I want to be perfectly 100% clear. The contractors that we have working for us are awesome. They're into the test-driven stuff before we started doing all these things. So they've been, uh, they've been really good to pair with and they understand almost immediately all the, all the concepts that we were trying to push. So. Yes. Mm. So, how does the rotation work? Is it forced, just on based on a calendar, or do you wait for a release and then you switch? Oh, how do we decide who pairs up? Yeah, and then how do you go? What's what's V one, I guess, after that, right, in terms of the pairing? Well, okay. So, like at the beginning, when we've when we've made our commitment, and these are all the stories we're going to work on, then in our first stand up meeting of that spring, we kind of decide who wants to work with what, and we just kind of informally. Um, discuss amongst each other, and then as soon as this, as soon as you're done with the story and it's been approved, then that pair splits off and they say, "Okay, we're ready to move on to another task." So then they find someone else who has finished a story and is waiting for a task to do, and then those two people will move. Got it. So as soon as they deliver the, as soon as they, as soon as we've checked off that it's, it's okay, it's been They're accepted. Up, they yep. can pair with someone yep. else. Got it. Yeah. And so to do to make that work, you have to have a really quick um, feedback loop between the QA people, um, so that as soon as a uh, they write the code, they write the test, we sign off on a code review, we sign off on a test review. Um, we then push it to our continuous integration server where all our tests run and all the, the heavy duty uh, dev tests that we do where we do the unit test, integration tests, some, um, some JavaScript tests, we do a code sniffer to make sure that we've met all our standards, and then we tell the QA team, okay, now you can go and manually click through and make sure everything's okay, and then as soon as that's, as soon as that's okay, then they can go on and work. And the QA department where we are is actually quite fast, and they do a really good turnaround. So usually the developers don't have to sit around for um, uh, for a very long time waiting to get approval to move What's on. What's the average things. amount of time to follow up with their Um From when they're done, depending on how complicated the story is, the longest I've seen is two days. But that could also be because the QA team is also doing testing for other groups as well, and sometimes they're their testing environment gets uh, stolen by another team to do some stuff on. That's really the most extreme one, but uh, usually no longer than half a day. And in the meantime, there's other stuff to do. There's emails to answer, there's uh, expense uh, claims that they never fucking pay to file. And uh, you know, go do some research, go read up on something, go help another team if they're kind of struggling a little bit to get to the last stage of their particular story. So there's a lot of that stuff. Just the idea is that everybody um, is trying to stay busy and not just uh, sit on their hands and say, "Well, fuck this, I'm done my stuff. I'll wait till somebody else is available." So because there's a everybody wants to meet our commitment that we've made for the sprint because the the more times we meet the commitment, um, the more freedom we get to do other stuff. So back there, yep. So if you're not lucky enough to have your uh, manager try and drive the initiative to uh, pair programming, how would you go about actually getting manager buy-in on, on actually getting people to pair in your office? I know that's a good question. I was lucky that we were able to, that we got buy-in, that they wanted to do it. I know that we've had uh, at previous places, Brian, you want some, uh, you want some, one footage there? You you said? I have already. Thank All you. right. Um, where was I? Yeah. So if you don't have if you don't have buy-in, you can kind of cheat and informally do it and say like uh, at other places that I've worked, if we had a, a task where it required a front-end a UI JavaScript guy and a back-end PHP developer to do something, I would just say, look, the two of us are working on this same task to get it done. We're just gonna pair up until we you know until we fix this thing, so we could get a quicker feedback loop. So I could like write the back. I could ask the front-end guy. Okay, we're gonna spit back some JSON. What do you need it to look at, look like? Then I would implement the server-side stuff to do it. Then he would tweak his JavaScript until we all got it working. So you can kind of informally start doing pairing, especially if, if you can um, if you can prove that it's a tough problem. It's a problem that requires more than one person to solve. That's a perfect uh, opportunity to try to do some pairing. I mean, some people don't believe in it because they're like, oh, I don't see why two people need to be working on the same task. But it's like I always tell people it's like the same thing to do the testing. You are Instead of backloading all the debugging and all the stuff, you are pushing it more to the front of the process and trying to distribute it 
uh, more evenly instead of everybody having to stay till 2 a.m. to get this thing done and up into production because um, I'm not down with that shit at all. No, I'm also not down with that shit. All right, you got to stop asking questions about this pear crap, though, because I don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> One more. She gets to ask. I'm sorry. It's sponsorship. So she can ask whatever she wants. I'm going to ask two now. Shit. Um, so does this mean that everybody's on the same development environment? Yes, and that's, yeah, that's kind of another thing that we're trying to work on fixing. Like, we have a shared dev server so that everyone does their, their work their work on it and now we're working towards providing virtual machines for everybody and trying to set some things up because the biggest problem we have with the virtual machines is that um, you can't create a you cannot create a virtual machine that's beefy enough to run our entire test suite including the including the crunch ones that verify that everything is completely passed so we're um, we're working on I would like to do a, a, a solution very similar to what Etsy has done with the tri server so that when people are ready, they can just issue a command to our continuous integration box, and it'll run those crunch tests. They'll give it whatever, because we use branching, so whatever branch their code is in, it will check out the code from the branch and run all our tests on it. And that way they can like go on and, and do something else instead of tying up the, tying up the dev server. Because what happens at, at all, if we have a, a point where a whole bunch of stories get done at once, then we have multiple people trying to run very in intensive tests on the server. And then the server starts complaining, it's under load, we start getting um, uh, clashes with, um, uh, with duplicate keys from our integration tests because the one test isn't able to clean up after itself before another request is done. So. What about like tools and stuff? Like, does everybody have to use the same? Like, like oh, no. editors? No, 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 no. We don't enforce that. Okay. Well, because usually one like, guy's actually drive mm -hmm. and then so it's not like you have two people typing on no. the same keyboard. No, right? even though you can do cool shit like that if you if you uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're a Vim guy yeah if you're a if if you're a Vim guy you could use like uh, screen you could use screen or Tmux and both people can connect to the same session and they can both type at the same time and you know bug each other and delete each other's code as they're busy working on it. But yeah, we don't enforce um, any tools that people, they can use, they, the idea is use whatever tools you're most comfortable with that give you the highest productivity. That's what we're after. Right on. All right, so Chris can have one last one because right. they, they paid for me to fly down to Atlanta and talk yeah, about it. Yeah, okay, right, yeah. Imagine, if you will, the two of you pair I think I would have to mute my mic if I was paired with uh, Ed and he was driving. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know because we haven't like collaborated on any code at all, like ever. It's probably a good thing. Yeah, probably. Um, it's better to just talk about it sort of on a, a theoretical level. Um, I don't know. You've seen stuff I've written. It probably you would have said it was really stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I think we probably would be fine. It's just. Um, the big thing about pair programming is to not to be so self-conscious. Just because somebody's watching you, mm -hmm. it's, I mean, we're judging you, sure, but it's a silent judgment, so. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, with, the, with the, I mean, okay, yeah, can I be an asshole all the time? Sure. And um, I could pick on the other person during mm -hmm. the pairing. I could disagree with every single thing that they're doing because I want them to do it my <laughs> way. But that's not, that's not the goal of the pair programming and I know this shocks people but I actually am professional enough to understand that the goal is to do the best work possible and I you know if we paired up to do something uh, I would for the most part keep quiet but my comments and insults would not be related to code at all no it would just be personal stuff totally personal. <laughs> hygiene and you sexual orientation right yeah take your meds bro um yeah so stuff okay no more pair programming yeah, I don't know. All right, you got something going on. I got a new topic for you. Hey! Hey! So, okay. If you were um, talking to someone who wants to get into programming, brand new. Someone who wants to get into programming, yeah. brand new. What yeah. advice do you have for them? They don't know anything, so... Shit. <laughs> Out of left field, totally. No, that's, but that's a decent question. I mean, I kind of get, get asked that question a lot. Um, like... <coughs> This, I think the standard thing I've said is that if you just want to learn, oh, there's a couple things I'd say. The first thing is if you want to learn to program, there's like some stuff that goes into that. The one is like, well, what should I learn first, right? Um, my feeling is that of languages that I can think of that would, that at least I know something about, I'd probably 
I probably point him in the direction of Python um, because I think Python. It, <laughs> he's the only guy clapping. Um, I, That's awesome at a PHP conference. Well, uh, you know, um, I think that. Uh, it's great for noobs. I th I think. <laughs> I think it's 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 very clearly implemented. I think culturally, it is it is uh, less uh, quirky and has far fewer gotchas than say PHP does. Um, and I think so. I think it's more accessible. I, it's not magic though. It's not like it's you you know it, it's 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 not as accessible as I think sometimes people imagine. There's still a lot of conceptual stuff about like what objects are and. You know, lots of basic stuff about manipulating data types and all that junk that you, s you still have to think about. I, I actually read a, an article where somebody was saying, well, I thought Python was supposed to be easy, but it really isn't. And then they compared it to processing this language. And I haven't messed with it, but they apparently felt it was more straightforward. Um, I guess the other question, though, is I think that's it's such a broad topic. like. I really think it's something that, well, maybe you might want to mess around with and try it out. And Python kind of has some good things going for it for that. It's kind of easy to just mess around with and try out. It's got a nice building REPL and stuff like that. Um, I think that. Did you just say REPL? Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that it's the case, though, that unless you find yourself really pretty passionate about doing it, like, I think it's something that. Um, I, I don't know, like career-wise, like I don't think it's something that I would ever recommend anybody do just because they think it's like that. Well, no, I'm not finished. I don't think they should do, unless they think that it is, uh, unless they really enjoy doing it. Because the people who I think are really good at it, and at least the people I send, you know, enjoy learning from and talking with or stuff, really have a passion for it and really want to learn and learn from each other and stuff like that. Um, I, I guess I've probably run into people here and there who do it because they kind of have to because it's their job, but they never seem to be very excited about it. And I don't know. That's just not why I'm into it. So it, I don't know. I would, I would say, yeah, yeah, sure, you try it out. And if they seem like they're getting into it, that's cool. But I would also say, well. Be, make sure it's something that you really want to do. Otherwise, maybe it's kind of an interesting topic to study, but I wouldn't try to base a career on it. Yeah, do you have a thought about that? the Code Academy? you like that? I haven't, but I have heard good things about it from anecdotes of friends of mine. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so I've heard good things, right? You know, so uh, maybe that's good. So I, JavaScript. Right. Well, like my opinion that JavaScript is a wrong language to teach uh, beginners how to program in. That I'm I'm with Ed that for someone who's new to programming, that Python is probably or maybe even Ruby, but Rails does a lot of magic with on top of Ruby. That Ruby itself as a language that. is I... probably good, but Python. <laughs> Python. You you're gonna do what? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's what I thought. Uh, that. With Python, probably a much lower, um, less complicated things. And you can use something like Zed Shaw's Learn Python the Hard Way is actually probably a really good introduction to programming because it's really targeted at people who have a vague understanding of what programming is and really guides you through kind of the basics of computer science and then it gets into using Python itself and explaining there's data types and here's how we do, here's the various conditional structures and loops and all that stuff to kind of give you a, an idea of from a programming perspective, how you, because we take these things for granted having worked with them for such a long time. Yeah. It's like when people say, well, what's some good resources for someone who's like new at PHP? I'm thinking, I have no fucking idea. Yeah, I, that, that question <laughs> because, came up the other day and I was like, I don't even know Yeah, what there's so much stuff we take for granted, that yeah. knowledge that we've built up that's just automatic that we don't have to consciously think of when we build a PHP app. But yeah, I think I'm with Ed. Python's probably a, an easier way to, for, for someone with no experience to get into um, I think it's more important to learn about programming than to learn a specific language, and Python can really be a gateway to, to using other stuff. PHP is your PHP is your first <laughs> programming experience will give you a ridiculous number of bad habits. Is Python still okay even if you don't have a beard? 
<laughs> I don't know. Yes. It's funny because I I I ran into a dude who uh, I was meeting him for the first time, and uh, he walked in and he had a long beard and a shaved head. And I said, "Well, he's either into Pearl or Python." <laughs> and he's a Python guy, so yeah. you know, worked out okay. Um, but that it's that's pretty true, man. That's pretty true. That's pretty true. Uh, it's kind of like you have to wear a plaid shirt and have thick rimmed glasses if you program Ruby, right? Ooh! Oh, snap! Well, forget the stereotypes, right? Introduce! Yeah. <laughs> you have to drink to excess if you do PHP, I guess. You have a bottle of scotch on your table. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Really. Yeah. It's strongly All right, another recommended. Question. Yeah, please. What are your thoughts on the uh, new PSR1 and PSR2 standards? <laughs> I don't pay attention to that stuff. <laughs> okay, I'll give my quick Go summary ahead. so we can Go move ahead. on to something else. I think PHP moves slow enough that if we... Uh, I saw some complaints about the whole PSR thing, people on Twitter being butthurt about the whole process. And a lot of it reminds me of just sour grapes that they weren't involved or consulted. I'm like, you know what? PHP yeah. moves slow enough as it is. If a bunch of people say we're going to put some fucking order to the chaos, for the purposes of having of making it easier for frameworks and other components to talk to each other and be able to work better, well, you don't like it, fuck you. All right, you don't. This is PHP. You don't have to use it, but don't complain if if, if some people are taking an initiative that others can't be bothered doing. I think all that PSR stuff is is good. It's good because it helps people who want to contribute and add their own things to the ecosystem that they can have something to look at and say, look, these people have done this successfully, and now we have standards for how we do auto-loading, we'll have standards for, um, for what the code's supposed to look like. I, I love it that we're saying that we have to use spaces over tabs, and we're, and we're choosing things about indentation, because those things cause lots of holy wars, but, um, but at some point you have to put your foot down and say, look, there's a bunch of standards, and everybody who's here, and because really people can deny it all they want, but frameworks drive PHP now, um, all the new features that get added to the language are usually as a result of pressure applied by the various frameworks. So if you want to say that, oh, we're only taking the frameworks in consideration, well, well fucking duh, because they're the ones who are asking for all these things. And for, I, would, I would say my guess, maybe I'm off a little bit, but I would say probably 90% of PHP developers are using framework these days. If not, if not uh, one of the, the big ones, they're using a custom-made framework. There's, I think there's very few people now who are just creating little one-off PHP things as part of their regular job, and that's all that they're doing. So you're gonna, you're gonna either be building stuff with a framework, or you're gonna end up working at someplace that's using a framework. So it's stupid to ignore the concerns of the frameworks that are driving everything. And so you know, these people are getting together and saying these are the things that we feel are important to get our stuff uh, coexisting nicely, and then everything else will fall into place. And like I said, you don't want to do it, fine. But stop fucking complaining. I, you know, I felt like I just, I got to a point where I just, I'm not paying attention to it because honestly it doesn't really affect what I do that much. Um, and my feeling has kind of been that, um, that PHP is popular enough and big enough that uh, people can do stuff like that, but it does not need to affect what you do necessarily. So if you want to do, do something else, Dude, there's so many different frameworks and so many different people doing different things in different areas that I, 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 I just do your thing, man, and that that's works out. I mean, shit, that's the whole. If there's any, uh, if there's any PHP culture, it's that it's completely organic. And what's your other favorite word? Anarchic. And, and, and anarchic. anarchic. And uh, and it is. It's intentionally that way. So. All the shit that pisses me off about it kind of comes from that. But at the same time, it also means that you can kind of make it what you want it to be to some extent. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I'm not... I think some of that stuff is useful. Um, I could say that I the stuff that I wish would change, would I wish it would change on the level of um, project management of the language itself, which I think is is deeply lacking. Um, but that is the choice that people have made, uh, and that's kind of what we've got. So I think if people in the user space want to take um, 
you know, kind of, I don't know, form agreements of that sort where they're going to code in a certain style, that's great. But man, I still think there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people who pay no attention to that. And they're going to be doing just fine, I think. So I, I, I don't know. It's, I think it's pretty open-ended. It doesn't have a culture of like that these are the core principles we're following of like what we value the way that let's say Python does or the way that say Ruby does. Um, I, you know, JavaScript is, is still is not nearly as popular, but JavaScript is interesting because it's such a malleable language that you see extremely diverse approaches to coding. Um, and th just, you'll look at, some stuff a guy wrote here and then you look at some other completely valid JavaScript code and it's sometimes hard to tell that it's the same language. Um, because it's so, it's that part of that's just the technical nature of the language, but part of that is just the community, there's lots of different people doing things. Um, my feeling is that, and this is, this is anecdotal and this is just my guess, but my guess is that we wildly overestimate how, um, how many people uh, go along with uh, stuff like this, like say the PSR stuff and things like that. Um, and I think we wildly underestimate how many people that are actually working with PHP. I think there are way more than we, in, we think about. And, the, and, and most of them aren't at all tied into what we're doing. So fuck them. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if, look, I mean, for, so I think what you have to do is if you want to you know, live with some intent in, in your PHP, you know, interactions, and you want to make certain things happen, um, I think what you got to do is you need to just say, this. I'm going to assert that this is what I kind of want to make happen, and I would like to maybe have interoperability between people who are, do, who are doing sort of similar stuff to what I'm doing, right? And if we can get together and do that stuff, that's a cool thing, right? So it works for them. Um, but I think there's a lot of uh, fiefdoms in PHP, and some of them are much louder than others. And then there's probably a lot of people who really don't give a rat's ass what the fiefdoms are doing. So I don't know, you know. Uh, yeah, and I think you just find what works for you in it. You use that. And if some other part doesn't work for you, I think that you should feel wholly okay with if you make a, an educated, carefully considered decision to say, no, this is bullshit and it doesn't work for me, then that's totally fine. So, I don't know. All that and you say, I don't know. Yeah, really, I, you know, whatever, it's cool, right? Um, I, yeah, I mean, we always talk about, like, within certain projects, we're like, well, you want to have co coding standards, and you want to have consistency with that. Yes well, and yes. You know, um, Python has a whole thing for that, like, for the for everything that you write in Python, right? Uh, Pep8, is that what it's called? Yes. So, um, I installed the, like, the linter in Sublime Text. Like, man, it screams at me if I put in, like, an extra new line. It gets really mad at me if I do that in Python. <laughs> does it hurt your feelings? It does, and it's so loud. It makes big, scary lines on the screen and shit like that. And I can't, and I, I really, it, it's like the fucking visual klaxon in your, you know, and I can't, it's like I can't save that. I can't commit this code. This is all fucked up, right? Um, so, yeah, what's worse is when then you, re you load up some code and it does, it's not passing, but it's not code you wrote, it's like somebody else's library. And that, then you feel obligated to fix their library, which sometimes they may or may not appreciate. But, uh, yeah, it, so, I don't know. I don't know, you know. know. <laughs> PHP is not Python, PHP is just, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's a big bag of nails or something. What is it, ball of nails? Forget about it. Forget about it. What are you going to do? All right, next question. Come on. Well, these yokels. Like this guy, he's, like, he's just a recruiter. He hook you up. He did. Right. I saw him talking while you were doing talking about pair parking. He was just talking over there, like talking to his friend. I was asking what PSR was. I was learning. 
It's, you, it doesn't matter. Really. <laughs> you are not going to be on your deathbed and being like, I wish I just learned. What PSR is, and join that mailing list and put it in my two cents. No, it's not, it does not matter. It really it doesn't matter. There's some heavy hitters on that team. You will think to yourself, these guys were not heavy hitters. <laughs> Why did I care about this? I don't know, man. Look, it works for them. That's fine. I don't know. Dude. Stop fucking saying <laughs> For a guy who doesn't know anything, you sure talk a lot. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. Have a drink every time Ed says, I don't know. Then we would never make it through a recording. Well, I'm just completely unmotivated to, to learn the, the frameworks, uh, as far as I know, are probably... Yeah, probably. I don't even know which frameworks are participating in it. Can you tell me, like, which, who, like, what represented for what firms? Symphony, Cave, Lithium, Solar, Aura, Drupal, Joomla, Typo, Flow3. There's like 20 of them. Agave's on there. So it's all XML then? With with uh, David Zulkian, it's all XML then in the standard. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna. It has been strangely quiet. Yeah. You you said you said though, it, if you can make an informed and educated decision that this is bullshit, but to make an well, informed bullshit, and personal bullshit. Exactly. Okay. But <laughs> to make that informed right. and educated decision, you have to read it. And you should know things like uh, yeah, the I, yeah. Make my life harder to I, talk I think that's I think that's true. Um, yeah, you I cut think that's you up. True. Don't you realize that? No, I no, I, th I think he's right. Uh, <laughs> no, I, it's it's. I'm not. I I'm not informed enough to make a because uh, you don't know. You know. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Because people won't let it go. They won't let anything go. Well, I think that we just like ridicule people on our team if we find tabs in the file, and they quit putting tabs in the file. Yeah, but now you're missing the point of the group. The group is the frameworks are coming together and saying this is how we're going to do it. If you want to do it that way, that's great. But we're not the, the group that I say we because I am a voting member. We're saying this is the standard and by God you should use it. We're saying we're all agreeing this way we're gonna build our projects. Right. And that makes the um, you know, we started with the automotor, um, we've just now done PSR one and two, we've already got um, proposals for other things that are not as trivial, well, as trivial seeming, but it's not really trivial, as coding standards. But this is just how the frameworks are coming together and say, we all think, or we all see a need for this. And if you want to do it, fine. If you don't want to do it, that's okay too. You know? Nobody's, nobody's saying this is the way you code PHP, like right. this is the way you have to code Python. You can still code any way you want, but yeah. the frameworks see a need to be able to agree on certain things. And that's the whole point of the group. Right, I can dig that. Um, I think that generally sounds like it's probably a good thing. I mean, I, and I'll tell you what, I actually tend to use tabs, and the reason why is it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a small thing, but it's a matter of, it really annoys me when I have to, Hit the keyboard more than once. Yeah. <laughs> to jump to that stop. Like, so the it'll insert the, you know, if I hit tab, it'll usually, it'll insert the spaces, and IDE will, will do that for me, so it just converts it into, like, four spaces or whatever. So that's fine. But it's when I go back, I find it annoying that I have to go, ding, 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 yeah. instead of just going, ding, over one. So I like that better. Uh, if you used Vim, you could jump from word to word and stuff, you wouldn't have to remember Yeah, that. right. Uh, but um, I'll say that, in the Python I'm writing, I'm it's because of all that that linter is pretty hardcore. Uh, it's uh, it uh, I'm just writing all Pepe stuff, so I'm using all spaces because it'll say like you should not use tabs, right? So it enforces it pretty clearly. 
Um, and so, uh, you know what, I, like if I'm on a project and I know we've decided to use spaces, I'll use spaces. I'm not going to make a big fucking fight about it. I mean, that's better things to waste our time on than that. But, uh, but yeah, my tendency has been to use tabs, but I think that might change as I'm, like, I'm writing more Python stuff that really wants to be that. And so I think, yeah, I probably, I'm, now I'm kind of in between, which is probably don't the worst thing to Don't you dare say you don't know. No, I do know, but I uh, haven't made a decision yet. <laughs> Besides, any decent editor will handle the tabs versus spaces. Yeah, like in Sublime anyway. Text, I could just be like, run command, convert all stuff to spaces. So it's like, you know, burp, burp, you know, and then it, it does it for whatever. So it does a really pretty good job of that. Um, so, yeah, we haven't, like, and, and like at Fictive, we haven't been super strong about enforcing that stuff, but... Um, we try to be at least kind of careful on it. We probably should be pushier about it um, to to get people to uh, to do that. Hey, stuff. there we go. Don't waste any of it. Mmm, mm, scotch. Mm, yes, scotch, 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 scotch. Here it goes down, down into my belly. <laughs> the fuck is that? From my anchor man. Oh, that's right. Yeah, come on, son. <laughs> Stay classy. Yeah. Right. Do you, yeah, were you going to say something? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I mean, when you get into the tab space argument or formatting, code formatting in general, yeah, right. uh -huh. I mean, the way I look at it is it kind of comes down to what you're writing code for. If you're doing something on your own site, you can write it however the hell you want. But if you're contributing true. to a, you know, a project for your company or you know, to yes. an open source project, do you, I mean, you, you have to know what their standards are, and generally, if, if the open source project is ran well, they're probably going to tell you when you do it wrong. Yeah. And you don't want to be a dick about it. I mean, you don't want to, like you said, just, right. I use tabs to fuck you. Right, I'm just going to tab. <laughs> right, and I think that, so <laughs> I, right. yeah, right. I, you know, I certainly defer if there's an existing standard in place or right. what seems to be an existing standard, I want to defer to that. Generally, I think if I am working on code that I did not originate, um, I should be consistent with what's been established already so it doesn't look like, so it's not very obvious that some other dude came in and started writing stuff, right? And it was just not, you know, it, it should look like the same person wrote the code, right? Um, and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Excuse me. Oof. But, um, yeah, I, I I guess that's the case. You know, I don't know. But if Brian <laughs> again, I think that I think if Brian makes a good point too, is that sometimes you sort of, I think it's really frustrating sometimes, just that the same shit keeps coming up, and it's like, why do we fucking care about this anymore, right? So, and I think well, you that, almost said it. You almost said it, didn't you? I yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that. Sometimes I think that that's just a matter of, look, the same stuff just keeps happening in programming. And as you've been in it longer, you see people doing the same shit. That, and it used to matter to you the first two times you went through it. And then after that, it started mattering less and you kind of got sick of it. Um, I think at the, at the same time, uh, I, I think that PHP suffers from that a little bit more because it, it does not have... Um, uh, just again, the nature of the project, where it's, it does not have strong um, cultural leadership in a sense, where it establishes these are what these are principles, these are best practices. What's that? What's that? The term you're looking for is heavy-handed tyranny. Heavy-handed tyranny. Yes, that's another way of looking at it too. I mean, so um, sometimes I wish for a benevolent dictator, and or even a really angry, mean dictator. Um, and then sometimes I'm really glad that there isn't one. So don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. Shrugging shoulders. That's pretty much. <laughs> I don't know, but. <laughs> Uh, for my own, better than anybody I've ever met, dude. Yeah, for my own sanity's sake, I probably get into that. Like, I just don't know why I care about it anymore because I, I, I get to, I've gotten too upset about this stuff uh, in the past, and I, I don't think it matters that much. I think it's, 
pro I, what it sounds like you guys are doing on PSR2, is that it? Uh, one and two. I don't even know. <laughs> we know. Sounds like a good idea to me. I probably, if it works for you guys, there's a lot of smart people there. Cool. I would like to see one. I mean, one of the things that I think is problematic is that, like, there's a. You know, I talked about this in in the in the talk that I gave today about how much I can struggle if I look at one code base. They're all supposed to be written in PHP. I look at one code base and then I compare that to another code base and the approaches can be dramatically different. I mean, in terms of nomenclature and the methods of abstraction and stuff like that. Um, shit, I, like if you took, you gave me some code that I wrote, that, or you know, like the, the Slim Framework code and then compared it to like the code base for Drupal, wildly different ways that the brains were working to construct <laughs> those things, right? Um, yeah, okay, so if for me, um, I have a lot, I, it's frustrating because a big reason why I probably haven't jumped into more and maybe done stuff with Drupal has been that I am really, I'm, in, I'm frankly intimidated by the code base because I have trouble understanding how it works. And then the other thing that goes into that is I say to myself, how much advantage do I get? Or how much does it, you know, for, for me personally, what does it do for me to spend the time learning it in and out? And especially because I'm not really excited about doing that. Like, I learned a fair bit about doing WordPress programming for a while and wrote some plugins for it and stuff like that. But I cannot say that I ever enjoyed doing that. I did it uh, for some contracting jobs and it was okay. But I never got really passionate about doing it. And for me, if I'm not really kind of, if I'm not enjoying it, it's really hard for me to stay motivated on it. Even though I probably could have stuck to it and it had been, would have been quite lucrative for me. I just, it just wasn't fun, you know? It was a lot of trudging around and grepping the code base to try to figure out how stuff worked and trying different things. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And I, you know, I, I, thought, I understood it pretty well, but I really didn't like it. And so for me, that just did not work well. And, and I, I think it's, it's sort of the same way. That's the way I feel about Drupal kind of getting into it. And so my tendency has been like, I, you know, I don't want to go down that road. But the same way, I have the same kind of feeling that, about Symphony. Symphony, which I think in, in some ways might be a very, it's, it's probably a very well-architected system. I just, it just doesn't, it doesn't click with my brain. I have trouble getting it in there. And, and, and beside that, I don't see, a, I've, I've made a couple attempts. I don't see myself getting a great advantage out of learning that in terms of, I could produce stuff that I could not produce with things I already feel like I can pick up faster that I already know. Now other people might feel differently about that. It, and it may be that the way that, that those things are engineered, the way those things are architected, is appealing to them. And that's great, man. You know, cool, it works for you. It just kind of doesn't for me. So, for yeah, please. For either of your professional projects or open source projects, do you document a coding standard? Either yourself or... Um, I usually follow the uh, Zend one. But more informally, I don't actually say that I'm going to use this, but I do try to follow standards so that, because I can always tell, it's funny, I can go back to old pieces of code and I can say, oh yeah, I remember about what, uh, what time I did that sort of stuff, because you can just tell by the way you're building things. You can even see concept, like concepts, like okay, yeah, I really don't use that kind of um, looping structure anymore, and, and oh, I can see how I was, yeah, why was I naming, oh, I was naming variables that way back then. But, but now, it's like the... It's like the same thing that Ed talked about. You run into these things over and over again, and the first couple of times you're like really passionate about it, and you're like really insistent that there is only one goddamn fucking way to do it. And then over time, as you keep running into people who are at, who are at the same phase in their career that you were at the first time you ran into it, after a while you're like, oh man, I'm just, I'm out of energy to fight over that particular topic. It's like, I don't care anymore. But it's like, this is, if people ask me, I'll say, I follow the Zen standard, you know? And, you want to follow that? That's cool. If you want to contribute on something with me, um, chances are I'm not going to have a fit if they don't follow it. I'm more concerned with are they 
going along with the intentions of the application or their understanding what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And coding, I, I, I like coding standards because I feel that coding standards help, um, help give the team ownership because when you let people do whatever the fuck they want, you very quickly learn to identify blocks of code. And you can say, oh, I know exactly who wrote that because of how it looks because of their choice of variable names and their tendencies to do nested if statements and, and all these all these other things that people have their own kind of unique programming fingerprint. So by by doing by getting rid of that and saying we're all going to do it the same way, um, you get team ownership. You get ownership of the code and and because you know I mean as fun as it is to like pick on people and say yeah you did that that particular block of code, like I know that you did it so we have to hash it out figure out why you're doing it that way. You, it becomes more team ownership because you can't tell who did what when you have a coding standard. I mean, people will always do things a certain way, and I'm sure people can always spot um, the code that I wrote, just because the way I, I write things a certain way, you can still spot it, but it's less um, it's less jarring. You don't look and say, I know what fuckhead did this particular well, bit of code that's going on. No, I don't swear oh, in my comments. Of, oh, I never swear in my comments. I, I do. I do. I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, don't. I think that, for me, it's been, uh, and I, I, I'm not endorsing this, uh, it's really a matter of laziness that I haven't probably done a lot of that. So it's been organically. I, I like try to be consistent about it, uh, but um, we haven't uh, like beyond that point. Um, like we did some work on that with Ficta, but then we were also ended up, we were sort of got busy with other stuff and now we're writing less PHP. So it's kind of, um, like one thing though, I, I, you know, it's a funny thing but it's, it's, it's kind of maybe it goes to tabs versus spaces, but I've decided now that I do not like camel case and I don't want to use camel case ever. Um, I want to use underscores. So I can't remember what that's called now. Uh, but um, underscore. Underscore, yeah. I, and, I, and I was reading around because it was kind of coming up as we were starting a new project and I was looking around it because I was thinking about this problem. We were thinking about coding standards at that point and looking around and, and about arguments about it and the argument about using underscores as opposed to using camel case uh, made more sense to me. Um, and so I decided that that was how I was going to do it. For of course, the problem is I have a bunch of code that I wrote in camel case already. <laughs> yeah, what? For variable names or for method names or both? In my case, it's for both. Um, it, to me, seemed like it was pretty much across the board. So now I'll still do certain things like capitalize stuff that's a constant or should effectively be treated as such, you know, things like that. Um, I still kind of follow a lot of that stuff. So where there's cases where it's not, but I just, I have decided I don't like camel case anywhere. And that, um, yeah. That, unfortunately, I think might, there was some, and I'm not sure if this is a consequence of it, but I remember writing stuff and thinking to myself, this isn't PSRO compliant now because of the way I'm naming it. Because I want. Shut up. You right, because. think that. Yeah, because I. Uh, but like, you just said before you weren't paying attention, so how do you know what PSRO is? <laughs> so you do know. Yeah. I, I know a little bit about PSRO. <laughs> um, and, and because of, uh, for me, it's the spaces between the words, and they don't necessarily reflect the path, right? And so that, that was, a, I was like, eh, fuck them, right? And so that's, I just decided to, you know, I was like, I don't know. I, so I kind of tried to avoid it, but sorry, guys, right? Um, so, you know, like a capital, I might, I'll capitalize class names, right? But I'll still use underscores. I don't, I don't like that. Um, uh, so I don't know. That's. Wait, uh, <laughs> shrugging his shoulders again. What do I know? I'm just some schmuck here. Just shorten it to IDK. Yeah, IDK. Or snake casing. Snake casing. Yeah. Uh, so you know, deal with it, right? I don't know. I'm gonna say that now. Said, so deal with it. So that's that's where I am. I I actually I really think that. Coding standards should be enforced. That is something where we just haven't done a good enough job in it. Um, so, if anybody asks me, is that important? Yes, it is important. Uh, I, I think that is the case that on a team, it sh it should look like no matter who wrote it, it 
optimally you want it to look like the same person wrote it, right? Um, so yeah, I actually think that's a pretty good idea. But I, pragmatically speaking, I we've been pretty casual about it at work and in most of my open source projects have never been have had so few contributors that it really never came up. But uh, yeah, so snake deal with it. I like that. <laughs> the album cover. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Alright, so how are we doing for time? I think it's about time that a dude needs to do his. Yeah, and uh, uh, Sprunker needs to do his GD thing. Is he even still here? I think oh, there he is at the back. Hey. Hey, keep it. Alright, so we got time for one more question, I think. Yeah, was there anything else uh, you want to bring up here? We got. How did you guys get to be so cool? <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> I thought it's self-evident, Paul. <laughs> Go for it. All right, one for each of you. Anything cool that you brought to the conference, either in a session or picked up in the hallway? You know, that you're like, oh, that was interesting. The beer after this session. I'm under an NDA for this stuff that I thought was pretty cool. Oh, okay. Um, but I think I could say that I think the Azure platform looks cool. And I think it's worth considering even if you have previously thought, why the hell would I run that shit on there? <laughs> uh, so that that's probably stuff that I thought was pretty cool. Uh, is there anything else? No, no not really. No. I've been kind of out of it, though. I have been kind of sick and stuff, so I, 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 I'm probably the wrong guy You're to Just ask. a fragile little flower. I am. I, you know... They're going to just have to put me in a cyborg like suit here. Upload your brain and, and then put you in a Yeah, brain. singularity, dog. Yeah. I got a CPAP already. Right? <laughs> Halfway there, dog. Uh, most coolest thing that I saw so far. Um, trying to think. Because all the talks I've seen have actually been pretty high quality, which is nice for a change. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that out loud? Deal with it. Deal with it. Uh, and you wonder why you're not accepted. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. It's only this conference that doesn't right. accept me. I don't um, say shit like that. They keep asking me back. Uh, I know. Um, it's just, I think now, it, it, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. Now that we're into um, the real-time web, basically, where people are expecting um, things to happen instantaneously, so all the technology that's pushing us towards, like uh, Justin's Redis demo, where he had, uh, he was using, what was it called, Salt? Was that the thing they were using? So he basically was doing a demo of Redis to show people. We, uh, when I worked at Moontoast, we were using Redis as a temporary store for uploaded MP3s, and then we'd fire off a Gearman job that would grab the binary out of Redis create a 30 second preview and then shove everything up into S3. So we had some experience with Redis. And it's just interesting how there's now, um, that's not just that there's a demand for real time stuff, that the tools themselves, the people who are building them, are pushing them really hard to be as fast as possible. And it was amazing to me to see um, that with Salt doing, it was 50. Uh, 50 servers with eight clients each. So 50 servers, with, so 400 little minions pounding away on a, on a very small Redis server running on the equivalent of uh, commodity hardware. And you kick the shit out of that thing, and it's just like the load, just bring it, oh, whatever, bro, keep coming, it's all good, it's all good. I was just amazed at now the, the intersection between the technology that's powering um, real-time stuff, how, how you can get away with it on commodity hardware. You don't need your, a humongous data center with uh, thousands of machines in it. We can, there's stuff that used to require a huge data center that you can get by with a with a pair of machines or even just 10 instances up on your your um, cloud service of choice. And to me, that's the most impressive thing. Because it's really, we're still undergoing a real big paradigm shift as everyone gets out of the Ajax Web 2.0 and into WebPy, where everything's um, real time and keeps going on forever. So. Um, well, you said that with a straight face this time. WebPy? Yeah. yeah. Shit. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so it's interesting that it's a shift in paradigm. And we're also code moving from the server side to the client side. And when you work in the industry long enough, you actually get to see those trends where it goes back and forth, codes on the server, and then everyone wants to do client side, back to the server, and waving back and forth. It's just like you have so many options, so many tools you can use now, 
And despite my thoughts that at some point there would always be some sort of consolidation that developers would get around, would really rally around one set of technologies, and I just realized that uh, there's too many assholes who won't go along with it. So there'll always be the fragmentation, but all the tools now, they all seem to follow each other now a lot more than they used to. As the demands for web apps, the, the thing that a lot of programmers don't understand is that the people who use your site don't give a shit what you built it with. They just have expectations that it's going to behave a certain way. So your language of choice better learn how to support things the way that the users accept it or else you're just going to be kicked off to the side. Um, so any, everything that I've seen that points to real-time web stuff and just making, and for me, the testing stuff is cool watching um, 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 LB Lincoln from uh, Etsy talking about the stuff that they do with Code Sniffer. That's all stuff that I, that, that I believe uh, will also go a long way towards um, making all that stuff easier. Test stuff, get stuff up into production faster, have tools that will let your code run faster and provide responses faster. It's always, it's always fast, 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 and I feel like a shark. I have to keep swimming or I'm going to die. Um, and I don't ever want to fucking die when it comes. I, I don't know what I'd have to do. I, I'm not cut out for digging ditches. Mm, no, no. I'm, I'm a delicate flower like that. I have soft, soft <laughs> hands. Chris, you are a delicate flower. I am a delicate flower. Got it. All right. Big prickly cactus pear. Something. Yeah, they got pretty flowers. Yeah. <laughs> got life-giving water inside, dog. <laughs> oh, that's a no. That's a weird euphemism. Anyway. <laughs> All right, anyway, thank you very much, everybody, for coming for yeah, this live edition. And, oh, yeah, I can't have any podcast without mentioning Mojo Live at the end of it. Mojo Live. Mojo Live. Oh, and we should thank Engineer again. Yes, and thank yes. you, Liz, and your for continued support. Um, for those who have signed up for the jaunt on Friday, I will be there um, as well. Yeah. Even though I am scared shitless of heights, so I don't know how the whole You're sky going. thing is going to go. Come up behind him and oh, he's like... Yeah. <laughs> you want to watch a grown man shit himself, you go ahead and push him. <laughs> Maybe you get your own cab back, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks very much and let's go drink. Let's go. All right.